Hello and welcome to the Renovation Church Podcast, where our vision is to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and change the world. My name is Mason Smith, and I'm the creative director here at Renovation Church. We are so thankful that you're joining this podcast today. We hope that today's message inspires you and draws you closer in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, enjoy the message. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Renovation Church at Home. We're so honored with your presence with us today. This morning, we are finishing a four-part message series that we have been working through called This Means War. And in this series, we have been learning about our enemy, Satan, and the war that he wages on the people of God. And it's so important to know about this because you can't fight against the enemy that you can't identify. And you can't be prepared for the attack that you don't know is coming, which is why in the first week of this, we learn just a little bit of background on who Satan is. His name is Lucifer, and he was an angel that was cast out of heaven because he wanted to make himself equal with God. And so his goal and his mission is to come against God and to come against the people of God. And then in the last two weeks, we've learned some ways about how he fights against us. In week two, we learned that he's called the deceiver who twists God's word in order to get you to doubt God. God's goodness. And then on week three, we talked about why he is called the tempter, because his goal is to get you to focus on the good things that God has created over God himself. And today, finally, we're going to finish by looking at one of the main tactics that Satan loves to use, accusation, which is why he is aptly called the accuser. Now, I want to end this series with a verse that actually began the whole thing in Ephesians 6, 12, where Paul is telling us about the battle that we are fighting in this true unseen enemy that we have. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. What Paul is saying is there is more that's happening around us than we can see with our physical eyes. There's a whole battle There's an entire war that is happening around us, and it's a war for the souls of every person in the entire world. And we have to take this fight seriously. We have to know how to fight against our greatest enemy, Satan, because he is waging war on you and on everybody that you know and on everybody that you love. And you have to be ready for the battle that you are in. If you were to go onto a real battlefield, you would want to know every part of the weapon with which you're fighting. You wouldn't want to go onto the front line and be standing by your brother in arms and be like, hey, you ready for this? Um, Hey, by the way, where's the safety? How do I, how do I shoot this thing? Is this, is it loaded? Is it not? How do I, how do I work this? That wouldn't inspire a lot of confidence as you're getting ready to go into battle. You would want to know every single part about your weapon, how to put it together, how to take it apart, how to clean it. You'd want to know how to work your greatest weapon so that you could effectively use it in the battle. And that is why we're doing this series, because I want you to be equipped with the weapons you need to fight against this spiritual enemy in this spiritual war, so that, as Isaiah 54, 17 says, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. 
that you can fight in such a way that when this war is one day over, you will still be standing and you will stand before God and you will hear the greatest words that you have ever heard in all of your existence where God says, well done, good and faithful servant. That is the ultimate goal. That is a life well lived. Now, we've talked about a lot of attacks that Satan will use against you in this war, in this fight. But this last one is a strategy he will use against you to keep you from even entering the fight. One of the attacks that Satan will use against you and undoubtedly has used against you in the past is accusation. He will accuse you to keep you from a deep, meaningful, and intimate relationship with God. And he will accuse you to keep you from fighting back because accusation is an attack against your future worth. I want to show you an incredible word from the book of Revelation, which is at the end of the New Testament, that will be your greatest shield to defend yourself against this attack from the enemy, Satan. He's already been dealt with. He's already been defeated by Jesus. In Revelation, John has this this powerful vision. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, here's what that verse says. It says, then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. And then check this out. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them day and night before God. That word accuser that John uses here is the Greek word diablos. And it's used 35 different times throughout the New Testament. And it means accuser, but it also means adversary. What this verse is saying is that Satan is so good at accusing you. And he's so good at it that he never stops doing it. So all day, every day, all night, every night, day and night, he is accusing you constantly. Because he is a master at finding and reminding you of your greatest weaknesses and your greatest flaws in order to keep you from fighting back against him. And while Psalm 103 verse 12 promises us that God has removed your sin as far as the east is from the west, which is forever, by the way, Satan keeps a living record of all of your shortcomings, of all of your mistakes, of all of your failures, and he is ready to use any of those things at a moment's notice. It's so interesting the way Satan has this capability of switching up his strategy in a moment. Because before you sin, when Satan is tempting you to sin, he whispers and he'll say things like, well, this isn't that big of a deal. This this isn't that much of a problem for you. You can handle this. Everybody does this. Besides, nobody's gonna find out. You're not gonna get caught. And, And at any rate, God's word says that he's loving and he's forgiving. And so you just do what makes you happy. You're gonna be fine. This isn't that big of a deal. That's his strategy against you before you sin when he is tempting you. But then after you sin, Satan switches his strategy up from whispering to shouting. And he'll tell you things like, see, I told you. You will never be good enough. You can't stop doing what you're doing. This addiction is ruling over you and you'll never be able to stop. Or he'll say, well, God can't forgive that. 
God won't move on past that. No one would love you if they found out who you really were. You're dirty, you're worthless, and you're no good to God or the kingdom or to anybody else on this planet. See, that's what he does. He minimizes your sin and then he weaponizes your sin. He excuses it and then he accuses. He'll excuse you by deceiving you into thinking that your sin isn't that big of a deal. And then when you do sin, he'll accuse you and use your sin as a weapon against you. Not just in this moment, but Satan is capable of taking a sin that you have committed and using that to haunt you for years and years and years to come. But God knows your sin as well. The ones from your past, he knows the sins that you're currently wrestling with. He knows every sin that you will ever commit from now until the end of your life and you take your last breath. But even knowing that from the beginning of time, he had set a motion, a plan in motion from the Garden of Eden that started with Jesus. And what I want to do this morning is I want to show that to you in a very powerful story from Zechariah chapter 3. Now, Zechariah is in the Old Testament. He's a minor prophet who was prophesying to a very discouraged Israel who had been enslaved. And he was telling them that a new day for God's chosen people was coming. And he's encouraging them to use this time as an opportunity to rededicate their lives to the Lord. And in this book, God gives Zechariah a vision. And, and just to set the stage a little bit before we start reading in chapter three, uh, what we're reading is gonna look a lot like a courtroom. There's, there's three main characters. There's the angel of the Lord, who's the judge. There's uh, Joshua, who's the high priest of Israel, and he's the defendant. And then there's the prosecutor or the accuser, who is Satan. Now here's how this trial begins in Zechariah chapter three, starting in verse one. It says, Then the angel showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Joshua. So let's, let's pause right there for a moment. Who is the angel of the Lord? Well, we know that the angel of the Lord is actually Jesus. Anytime we're reading in the Old Testament and we, in that word, that phrase, the angel of the Lord shows up, it's referring to Jesus. See, Jesus showed up all throughout the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. He was the one who was in the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He is the one who had wrestled with Jacob. He was the one who stopped Abraham from killing his son. And that's the one who is here now at this heavenly type of trial. And Satan is standing there and he's making accusations before the angel of the Lord. He's making accusations before Jesus against this man named Joshua. Now, we know Joshua is a high priest, but we don't actually know if Joshua is guilty of whatever it is Satan is accusing him or not. He probably is. Because Satan hates the truth until he thinks that the truth will advance his own cause. And then he will use the truth about what you've done in the past to try to destroy the potential you might have in the future. And that's what Satan still does to us today. All of us have sinned. Every single one of us, we have things from, from, from our past, maybe even things that, that we're doing in our present that we regret that are bringing guilt. Satan knows 
what you've done. And he will accuse you to make you believe that what you have done or what you are doing is capable of destroying who God wants you to become. He will use your sin and he'll accuse you and he'll say, well, can you even really call yourself a Christian after what you've done? Do you really think that God will come through for you? Why on earth would God hear your prayers after what you've done? There is no way that God would ever forgive you. You are stuck where you are. We have to learn to tell the difference between Satan's accusation and God's conviction. Satan accuses you, but the Holy Spirit convicts you. And there's a huge difference in these two things that we need to be able to tell the difference of. Accusation is an attack from the enemy. And it's used to point out your sin in order to to draw you further away from God. It makes us feel guilty. Accusation makes us feel ashamed and dirty. Accusation makes us feel unlovable and unworthy. But conviction, on the other hand, conviction is guidance from the Holy Spirit. And it's used to point out your sin in order to draw you closer to God. Conviction's purpose in your life is to point out some areas in your life that you have are in danger of falling away in order to guide us back onto the path that God has for us. Conviction, it's, it's like a, a pain signal that's alerting us, that's leading us away from danger. Conviction teaches us to depend on God and to repent of our sin. Accusation shows us the result of our sin, but conviction shows us the grace of our Savior. Accusation is only used to prove a point, and the only purpose it serves is to drive a wedge. Accusation is never used to provide restoration, ever. Accusation always ends in separation. Accusation always ends in separation. Accusation has separated churches. It's separated business partners. It's separated friends. It has separated spouses. But Satan ultimately has a more destructive purpose for accusation in your life. He wants to use accusation to separate you from God. That's what he was trying to do to Joshua. He was accusing him before Jesus in order to try to separate him and alienate him away from God. But here's what the Lord said to him in verse two. It says, and the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusation, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Can you imagine being Joshua right here? Here you are in this, in this heavenly courtroom and you are standing before Jesus and Satan is calling out your biggest sins by name. And as you are sinking lower and lower and lower into shame, Jesus speaks up not to condemn you, but to defend you. And he says, I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. That's exactly what Jesus is still doing for you right now. Every lie you've ever told, every thought you've ever had, every critical word that you have ever spoken, every sin that you have ever committed has already been dealt with by Jesus. And when the enemy stands ready to accuse you, Jesus stands ready to defend you. Stands ready to defend you. Because Jesus knows that you're not perfect. 
Jesus knows that you're going to make mistakes, that you're going to fall, that you're going to fail. You are not perfect, but the good news is Jesus was perfect for you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Throughout your life, try as hard as you may, you will sin. And when you sin, you will have an enemy that is prowling and waiting to accuse you. But when the enemy accuses you, you have a savior who is already, always ready to defend you because he was and he is fully righteous and completely perfect enough to cover all of your sins, which is what happens next in this story. Check this out, Zechariah chapter three, verse three. It says, Joshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the Lord. So the angel said to the other standing there, take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Joshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sins and now I'm giving you these fine new clothes. And then I said, well, they should also place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head and they dressed him in new clothes while the angel of the Lord stood by. Now, I don't know if you have ever been put on trial before, but what just happened here, that's not normal. In a normal case, the judge might say, well, you did something bad, you did something wrong, and and so you're going to have to pay for what you've done. You're going to have to serve some time. You're going to have to do some community service, but you're not just going to get away with what you've done because there always has to be a punishment for crime. But Joshua He's still guilty of whatever the enemy was accusing him of, just like you are still guilty of whatever he's accusing you of. But what he doesn't want you to know is that the grace of my Savior is always greater than the guilt of my sin. Man, the grace of my Savior is always going to be greater than the guilt of my sin. Because no matter how hard you try, you will never be able to out God's grace. His pursuit of your heart is relentless. He will never stop chasing you, ever. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what your story is. But I can promise you that God knows you, that God loves you, that God sees you. And God wants to write a new story in your life. He wants to remove your filthy clothes. He wants to remove your sin that is staining your life. And he wants to put new clothes and a new life on you. And that's a new life of following his son, Jesus. He wants to make you his son. He wants to make you his daughter. And he wants to use you for his amazing and glorious purposes here on this earth. And if you're thinking, well, that all sounds really nice, but my story is really bad. I've done things that nobody knows about. My story is filled with addiction and, and deception and, and, and adultery and, and horrible things. My life has been so bad that I'm beginning to think it might be better if I just weren't here at all. Because God might be loving, but there has to be a limit. There's no way that he would love someone as bad as me. Listen to me, if that is you, Jesus knew 
all of those things about you and he still died for you anyway. One of the greatest, most hope-filled passages of scripture is Romans chapter five, verse eight, that says, but God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While I was still a sinner, that is when Jesus died for me. There's no conditions, there's no clauses, there's no fine print. That's how much that God, the creator of the universe, loves you and cares about you and he cherishes you. Jesus pursued you all the way from his throne in heaven down to this earth. Now we started the message this morning in Revelation chapter 12 by reading verse 10. And I wanna end by reading the next verse because it gives us the answer to defeating the enemy, the deceiver, the tempter, and the accuser, Satan. See, John goes on to say in verse 11, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. There are two things that this passage is telling us that allows you to overcome the enemy, Satan, in this war. And the first and most important thing that you have at your disposal is the blood of the lamb. We have overcome by the blood of the lamb. Like Jesus in the Old Testament was the angel of the Lord, Jesus is also called the lamb of God. And Jesus, his life was the final sacrifice that was needed because he was perfect to pay the debt of sin on mankind. His blood alone had the power to forgive us once and for all and deal the final blow against Satan. We overcome the enemy not because of our strength or not because of our might or not because of how hard we try or how good we are. We can overcome the enemy because of the blood of Jesus. But then check this out. There's another second thing that's so important. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Your testimony is your firsthand account to what has happened in your life. If you witness uh, something, that uh, a crime, you might be called into court to testify as a witness. And that means you're gonna give your testimony about what happened because you're an eyewitness account to whatever act it was that took place. So in the same way, your testimony is the result of what Jesus has done in your life. It's your story of what he has done for you in the past, but it's so much more than that. Your testimony is who you were before Jesus, but it's also who you are because of Jesus. The enemy does not want your story to become your testimony. And that's why he might be coming against you right now because he knows the danger that it poses to his mission if you live fully with the spirit of God within your life. Maybe that's why right now, maybe you're like, man, I'm just, I'm in this season. This season has become my life. One bad thing's happening after another and I can't seem to escape. I can't seem to get a break. Maybe you need to look at what's happening to you, not just as a, well, God is mad at me, but maybe what's happening to you is because Satan is coming against you because he's trying to stop you. Because he knows what you can do when you fully surrender to the power of God in your life. He's trying to discourage you. He's trying to destroy you. He wants to defeat you. But he knows, he knows that he doesn't stand a chance 
when you realize that you can overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony, by just sharing that story of what God has done for you and what God is going to do through you. Because ultimately, what this all means is that Satan's power over your life is defeated by God's presence in your life. Satan's power over you, and it's destroyed when you live with God's presence in your life. And if you wanna give yourself a fighting chance in this war, then you need to fill your life with the presence of God. You need to fix your thoughts on the things of Jesus. You need to fill your soul with the words of Jesus. Satan can't fill your mind if it's already filled with Christ. So fill your mind with Christ. Fix your eyes, fix your mind on the things above and not on the things below. I, I wanna finish this series this morning with giving you some hope that you can be victorious in this war against the enemy. And, and I wanna just take a moment and I wanna let the word of God speak for itself. So we're gonna close out this morning, we're gonna close out this series with this passage from Romans chapter eight. And here's what this passage says. It says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us and he is, and who could ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? Nobody, for not God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand and he is pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean, does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or, or calamity or are persecuted or, or hungry or destitute or, or in danger or even threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And then listen to this promise. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And all of God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Renovation Church Podcast. If you'd like to support Renovation and our ministries, then head over to renovatethecity.com slash give. It's because of your faithful and consistent generosity that we're able to continue ministries like this all across the world. If you'd like to learn more about Renovation and our ministries, then head over to renovatethecity.com. If you enjoyed today's message, then we'd encourage you to share it with family and friends. Thank you again for joining us and God bless.